Spirit as we reflect on these words together, that the word read and the word proclaimed can speak into our lives. Regardless of what brought us here this morning, regardless of what burdens we are carrying. And so we pray for that grace that you would speak. We are listening. Amen. So for those of you who have been here for a couple of weeks, uh, we're focusing in the month of December on gratitude. It's Thanksgiving month. Um, Oh, the, ch the youth need to leave. <laughs> I forget that every month, and then Martin has to give me this really great little signal over there. I'm sorry. You don't have to leave, by the way, but you are invited to join Martin downstairs. We'll miss you. So we are talking about gratitude, and last week we explored the relationship between gratitude and grief. Some of those verses where, um, you know, uh, Paul tells the, the ch early church, be thankful in every circumstance. And we talked about what that really means. What does it mean to give thanks even in the midst of loss or grief? Today we're talking about the relationship between gratitude and generosity. And we're exploring together the, just a, a line out of what was a foundational verse in the formation of the Kairos Church 15 years ago. Um, and that is Acts 2. We're going to read that in a minute. But that was kind of the verse around which this community of people who became the people who are Kairos Church gathered. Um, it does not actually have the word gratitude in it, but it is implied because I want you to pay attention, and I hope, again, I say this every week, I hope you'll read some of the psalms this week. We're going to read again Psalm 100. It is a psalm of thanksgiving. But you'll notice that, song of, that psalm, it is a song, of gratitude also has the, the theme of joy. Thanksgiving and joy, gratitude and gladness are like hand and glove in the Psalms. A lot of times the Psalms are written to where like one line will say something and then just like in another, in other words, it's saying the same thing. And so you'll notice that again, um, and as one monk put it, what you discover is that the root of joy is gratefulness. That's how close they are together. For it is not joy that makes us grateful, it is gratitude that makes us joyful or glad. So here's the Psalm of Thanksgiving. We used it in our um, call to worship. We read it last week. Let's read it again. It's so beautiful. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. That's the word we're going to see in Acts. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. That's an obvious statement, but it's so profound. It is God who's made us. We did not make ourselves. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to God, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Now we're going to read this Acts passage that, again, uh, many of you might be very familiar with, some of you wouldn't be, but it's Acts is basically the acts or the practices of the early church. Uh, that's what that book of the Bible talks about. What was happening? What, 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 are the, what was the early church practicing? What were they doing together? And this passage follows uh, a passage where um, Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit comes. Maybe you remember this. If you don't, I'm just going to try to give you some context. The Holy Spirit comes on, and people begin to understand one another and communicate with each other in ways that they could not imagine that breaks down the barriers between them. And it's such a wild setting that some people think, are, are all those people drunk? And Peter stands up and gives this amazing narrative saying, no, 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 we're not drunk. We're just filled with the Holy Spirit. And we are all so grateful for Jesus, who was among us, doing wonders and good deeds, and who changed us, and who gave us a promise a promise for us and our children and all those who are far off. So that's the context. And then the people are like so moved and they said, what should we do? And Peter says, repent, turn your mind around, turn your heart around, turn your life around and get baptized. And they do. And it says 3,000 people joined them. And this is what they did as a community. Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon everyone, because many wonders all came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common they shared all things they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need day by day as they spent much time together in the temple they broke bread from home to home, and they ate their food with glad or grateful hearts and generous hearts. Day by day, they spent much time in the temple. They broke bread at home, and they ate their food with grateful and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. It's another, uh, another word for those who were being healed, those who were being made whole. So I want to ask you to imagine something. Do any of you have, just you can, you don't have to even raise your hand or answer, but do you have like a favorite joint maybe you go to after church every Sunday for lunch? Just grab a quick bite. Or maybe it's a fancier place. I like Muss and Turner's. So one day you go in, 
you leave worship, you go to have your lunch, maybe you've got a crowd with you, and you notice that the workers are wearing different t-shirts, but you're a little confused, you haven't know, you know, you're, you're a regular there, so you don't recognize people, you think it's a little weird, the person greets you at the door and says, hi, I'm a volunteer, We're, the restaurant's being run by volunteers today, just want to let you know, welcome you today, and, um, and just so you know in advance, there's no prices on the menu, and that's because everything is free. Try to think how you might feel. What? Free? Well, yep. The people before you, some of the people that are leaving now and seated, they're paying for your meal. What? Now imagine that. So a guy named, I got, I can remember, I got to get his name just right. Nipun Mehta. He and some other people wanted to do an experiment in generosity. So they got a grant, and that's exactly what they set up. 2007, a restaurant in Berkeley, California, popular place on Sundays, they took it over one Sunday. And when people came to the door, that's what they told them. And let's show them the, this was the, this was the receipt they got, Karma Kitchen. It says, growing in generosity. I know you can't see much of it, but I hope you can see your bill total, zero. In the spirit of generosity, someone who came before you made a gift of this meal. We hope you will continue the circle of generosity in your own way. It was an experiment, as Nipun put it, in generosity. They just wanted to see what would happen. Hey, they had a grant, but they thought it might, they might just do it once and see what happens. Guess what? 25 years later, there are more than 25 karma kitchens across the world that fund not only all the people who come to eat there, but also other organizations that are feeding the hungry. You don't know anything. Think about that. Gratitude begets generosity. Amanda Palmer is a musician. You may or may not like her music or even know of her. But she was struggling, this was years ago, back when I, can't, I couldn't remember the name of that site where people were illegally sharing songs. Remember before, like, you would buy CD, you'd actually buy a CD, and artists would actually get paid. And then, uh, what was it called? Do you? Napster. Napster, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, all right, so it was back in those days, the old days. And she was a struggling musician. Finally, uh, got, saved up enough money to cut an album, so excited, she and her band, so excited about it. Uh, they sold 25,000 copies. So she was like, yes! But her producer said, that's actually considered a failure. And so she had no money to cut another album, even though they had prepared, they were ready to go. 
But they were like, we're gonna keep at it, let's keep saving our money, we'll do these gigs at these little places, you know, like Eddie's Attic and things like that. So one day she's in one of these little places. And after the show, someone comes up to her and gives her a $10 bill and says, hey, I burned one of your CDs off of Napster back when I couldn't afford it, and I just wanted to make that right. And gave her $10. So she goes home and says, wow, maybe I should trust my community. So she said to her band, I think we should, we should not, never charge for any of our money. I mean, any of our music. We're gonna give it all away. After our shows, free CDs. We're giving everything away. And we'll just tell people, we would like to cut another album. We're trying to raise enough money to." cut another album. Their goal was to raise $100,000. She raised over a million dollars. And guess how many contributors there were? Remember she sold 25,000 albums? 25,000. Ended up people gave more when they had received a gift. I don't even know how many albums it would have taken her to sell to get to over a million. So Nipun Mehta, the guy who started the Karma Kitchen, he's coined a wonderful word, giftivism. A take on activism, giftivism. The practice of radically generous acts to change the world. Now, one could argue that that is exactly what happened with the early church. A group of people who practiced acts of generous, radic radically generous acts in order to change the world. Day by day, they spent much time together. They had all things in common. They shared all things. No one was in need. And they ate their food with glad and generous hearts. And they lived their lives joyfully and generously one could argue that that characteristic is certainly one element of the growth of the early church. Radical generosity, radical hospitality, openness, generous. A move from consumption to contribution. This is something you'll hear me say over and over again. The church is not in the business of customer service and customer satisfaction. 
We're in the business of inviting people into a community where we encourage one another daily to follow Jesus and to live joyful, grateful, generous lives. That's the invitation. I'll never forget one night, uh, years ago, I was watching um, television back, you know, when you're switching around and the Susie Orman came on. Do you remember her? She was like a financial person. It was really late, I couldn't sleep, so she caught my attention. Some caller had called in and was just really just distressed because he was in debt and he didn't know what to do and blah, 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 blah. Finally, she interrupted him. She goes, hold on, hold on. Just put the phone down and go get your checkbook. Literally, I'm watching this in the middle of the night. He comes back, okay, well, yeah, I have my checkbook right here. She goes, I want you to take a check out and write it to your favorite nonprofit. Do you belong to a church or a synagogue? She goes, listen, you don't have a money problem. You have a heart problem. You are so focused on yourself. Generosity. You know, nobody has to give to the church, and, and this is not a typical like stewardship sermon for those of you who are regular churchgoers, but let's talk about what do you do with your money? How you share your money is how you share your soul in the world. Even if Kairos had everything they needed for their budget and some, would we still have an offering and worship? Yes, yes, because it's a moment to reflect on what are you doing with all the gifts you've been given. The Apostle Paul says, what do you have that you did not receive? Well, now, wait a minute, Pam, I worked really hard. That's true. How were you able to work? We did not make ourselves. What do you have that you did not receive? And you see, that mindset, that mindset that I have been given more than enough generates gratitude, which generates a grateful and generous heart. One of the things that Nipun Mehta talks about in training the volunteers, he said, you know where we have to start? And he had a little rock with these words painted on it. You are enough. Because he said what we find out is that the biggest barrier to people practicing generosity is they don't think they are enough or that they have enough. That's where we start. It made me think of a song that I find very powerful. I tend to see the gospel everywhere. It doesn't have to have the label Christian. I, I want to share this song with you, and then I'll close. Can you play that, Matt?
it's the fear that you're not enough, you don't have enough. And you know, the Christian message is not that this like uber in independence thing, like you're enough all by yourself for everything. No, but you are enough. Your contribution with everyone else's means that we all have enough, are enough, and can live grateful lives. I love the image when realizing that she's not going to let fear grasp and constrain her. I am enough. I hold out my heart in the palm of my hand. That's the call when we come to this table. Today we're going to use an ancient call to the table. It's been around since the third century. It's called the Sursum Corda, Latin for literally up hearts. Lift up your hearts. When my children were little, I would say when they'd leave for school in the morning, you know, they'd go to preschool, uh, the Lord be with you, and also with you. Two little boys. Lift up, and I'd say, and they'd say, and also with you, and I'd say, throw your heart up in the air, and they would giggle and laugh, and then they got to be teenagers, and, you know, I'd, they'd open the door, and leave, and I'd go, the Lord be with you, also with you, throw your heart up in the air, slam. <laughs> but on one of the toughest days of my life, I got a text from my adult son. Mama, I'm thinking about you. Throw your heart up in the air. Look, when we lift our hearts up, it's risky. It might get broken, it might get hurt, but you know what? We have enough to survive that and to keep giving. Trusting that all that we are and all that we have is a gift. It's a gift that is more than enough. Ignites in us not only gratitude, but the freedom to live radically generous lives. Let us pray. O gracious and present God, we pray for the grace this week to pay attention to your gifts all around us. And when we feel grateful, we pray for the courage to act on that gratitude and to embody the generosity it inspires as we seek to walk in the way of Jesus. Amen.